Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 58 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I'm grateful that you've chosen to give me some of your time today. Lined up for today's episode, we have a handful of phrases with body parts in them. This isn't the first time we've explored the etymology of body-related phrases, and there's so many of them out there, it probably won't be the last. Episodes 24 and 31 have similar themes, to name a couple, so if you haven't heard those yet and enjoy today's audio offering, check them out. Okay, without further ado, let's get to the body of this episode and explore today's phrases, origins, history, and more. First up for today is a phrase I probably should have already done, because it's rather well used. The phrase is, cat got your tongue, which is often said to someone who's fallen silent, especially when they're expected to respond to something. The full version of the saying is, has the cat got your tongue, which was more commonly used when the phrase first appeared in the vernacular, which, for such a well-used saying, wasn't really that long ago, at least not in print. In 1881, it was printed in Bowie's Monthly Magazine, a general interest magazine published in Boston during the late 19th century. Here's what they printed, quote, Has the cat got your tongue, as the children say? End quote. Now, even though this is believed to be the first use in print, it's not thought to be the origin. For that, well, it's pretty up in the air. There are two main theories, and both are contested by probably as many people who believe in them. So while I can't prove either of them, I can share them with you and let you make up your mind as to which is more believable. Some people think this one stems from the English Navy's use of the cat o' nine tails to flog people. I mentioned the cat o' nine tails in episode 7, as it also has potential connections to letting the cat out of the bag. I didn't describe it, though, so I'll do that now. A cat of nine tails is a whip with nine strips of leather, cord, or other material. The strips, or tails, usually have several knots in them, and each tail leaves a mark with every hit, making the resulting wounds appear to be claw marks. These claws of sorts is where the feline-inspired name comes from, so it really hurts to be flogged with them. It's said that this punishment often left the victims speechless for a while. Ergo, it was like the cat-o'-nine-tails took their voice away, or had their tongue. Now, a lot of people think that this is hogwash, and honestly, I'd say I'm one of those people. While neither this theory nor the one I'm about to share can be proven, the next one does seem more believable at least in my book. The main period of usage for the cat nine tails seems to have been from the late 17th century to the late 19th century. Although that's just the general time period, it doesn't mean that it wasn't used before or after that time. 
Anyway, the other potential beginning is from way further back in old-timey times, ancient Egypt to be exact. Way back then, the tongues of liars and blasphemers were cut out and then fed to cats. That's it, that's the theory. Again, no one seems to be able to prove this truly happened, but it does seem plausible. As I said, you can decide amongst yourselves as to which one seems less far-fetched. For now, let's move on and keep our eyes peeled. To keep your eyes peeled means to pay close attention to something, or to be extra vigilant in watching for something. This one isn't complicated, it's just an idiomatic interpretation of a physical action. There are several foods, such as fruits and vegetables, which require peeling to open them up and make them edible, or maybe just more enjoyable, if you're a no-skin person. That sounded weird out loud. <laughs> I meant if you don't like skin on your fruit and veggies. Okay, since one meaning of to peel is to remove something, the idiomatic version of peeling is used to imply you should keep your eyes uncovered and open, so you can pay better attention. The word skinned has also been used in the saying, in place of peeled, and either way, it's been around since at least the 19th century. The earliest print version I could find was from the Kenosha Telegraph, a newspaper from Kenosha, Wisconsin. It read, quote, Keep your eyes peeled for all their antics. End quote. That's really all there is to this one, so now let's shake a leg. To shake a leg means to hurry or to get going. This one has a few possible origins, starting with the Civil War. Some folks think this came from those body-littered battlefields, where people would go around literally shaking the legs of the fallen men, trying to see if they would react to the jostling and were therefore still alive. It also could have potentially come from a much happier place, the dance floor. To shake a leg has also long been used to mean dancing, although that was more popular before the 20th century than it is now. Dancing often involves fast movement, and so this is a viable starting point for the hurry-up usage for this idiom. The get-going usage is thought to have possibly come from the Royal Navy, where sailors were often ordered out of bed with the command of show a leg. I know that's a different saying, but it's one of those cases where multiple sayings morphed into one. By 1904, we find this definition in the New York Magazine, quote, shake a leg, meaning to hurry up, end quote. This shows that by that time, it was well established as an idiom to use when folks wouldn't go fast enough. There's not a ton out there on this one, so that's all I got for you on it. Cross your fingers, toppers, because we're moving on. People tend to like to have good luck on their side, and one way to garner it is to cross your fingers, specifically the index and middle finger. This superstition is quite old. It's believed by some to predate Christianity, which is thought to have begun sometime around year 1 or 2 AD, give or take. Before this time, those who believed in sacred geometry thought that good spirits could be found at the center of a cross. Therefore, when making wishes, two people would cross their index fingers with each other in the hopes that a good spirit would grant their wish. 
Now, not everyone buys into this as the origin, but many agree on this next bit. Crossing fingers for good luck seems to have become more popular, or may even have begun, during those early days of Christianity. In these early days, Christianity was illegal, and being found guilty of being a Christian meant imprisonment, torture, death, or a combination of those. It wasn't even remotely good to be caught being a Christian, so the early adopters of the religion used symbols to communicate with each other. One of these secret symbols was thought to have been crossed fingers, but not in our modern way. They would hold out their thumb and index finger like a capital L, touch their thumbs together, and lay their index fingers across each other's. The resulting symbol would have resembled the ichthus, the fish-like symbol still used in Christianity today. Whether the superstitious crossing started before Christianity or during its infancy, it involved two people, not just one. It didn't seem to become a single-person superstition until sometime during the Hundred Years' War, which took place from 1337 to 1453. I guess the Hundred and Sixteen Years' War wasn't as catchy? Anyway, during battle, soldiers who wanted a little extra luck on their side couldn't always stop to cross fingers with another person, so they would just cross their own fingers. Throughout time, as this practice has become more popular, it's evolved to the point that even just saying, I've got my fingers crossed, is considered lucky. No actual finger crossing is required. And as for the idea that crossing your fingers behind your back is a sign of lying, well, that seems to have a similar origin. Early Christians had to lie about their faith, so using this symbol was part of perpetuating that lie which is how the lying connection is thought to have come to be. Last but not least, the idea that crossing your fingers on both hands at once is bad luck seems to just basically be based on the idea that the two crossings cancel each other out, and where there's no good luck, bad luck can blossom. This one doesn't really have a first use in print, since it's more of a physical action. So now, let's move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. Today's metaphor is an albatross around your neck. This one means a burden that must be carried. Albatrosses have been seen as a sign of good luck, especially by sailors, for a long time. Some say that this is because the lost souls of sailors become albatrosses, so killing one of these birds is bad luck. I can't tell you if an albatross is really good luck or not, but I can tell you where this idiom came from. Samuel Taylor Coleridge was an English poet, literary critic, philosopher, and theologian. In 1798, he wrote one of his most popular poems, The Rime of the Ancient Mariner. Working off of the it's bad luck to kill an albatross angle, he wrote about a sailor who shot down an albatross, and was then made by his shipmates to wear it round his neck to carry the burden of their bad luck. There are two verses that I would say are the most important in relation to this metaphor, although they aren't together in the poem. I'm going to read them together, though, because it's a long poem, and this is a short podcast. Just keep in mind as I read them that I'm skipping a good bit. This will be the last verse of part one, followed directly by the last verse of part two. Quote, 
God save thee, ancient mariner, from the fiends that plague thee thus. Why lookest thou so? With my crossbow I shot the albatross. Ah, well a day, what evil looks, had I from old and young. Instead of the cross, the albatross about my neck was hung. End quote. Since the origin of this phrase is also the first use in print, that's it for this metaphor. Now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Topper's today's familiar quotation is from Oscar Wilde. Quote, To be really medieval, one should have no body. To be really modern, one should have no soul. To be really Greek, one should have no clothes. End quote. <laughs> well, okay then. Thank you, Mr. Wilde, for giving us today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, now it's time for today's For Better or For Words Love Advice from Old Timey Times. As always, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't look at the black side of the cloud. It is only a shadow cast by the silver lining. And now for the men. Don't take it out on your poor wife every time you have a headache or a cold. It isn't her fault, and she has enough to do in nursing you without having to put up with ill humor into the bargain. Alright, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 58. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, how to send me topic suggestions, how to support the podcast, and for details about the music I use in the show. If you want bonus stuff, check out my Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, keep your nose clean. Toodaloo! Let me rephrase. These strips or tails are... Mm, 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 nope. To help... Nope, that's the wrong word. <laughs> to keep your eyes peeled means to play close... Okay, that's not right. To keep your eyes peeled means to play... Not play. <laughs> Why can't I get past this sentence? To keep your eyes peeled means to pay close attention to something. Or to be extra vigilant. Vigilant. <laughs> this this first sentence is killing me, Smalls. Dancing often involves fast movement, and so this is a viable print. What? I I don't know what I was trying to write there. Which is thought to have.
Lost my place. Okay, there's my place. In the hopes that it's good... Nope. And so using this symbol was part of per... per, per, per <laughs> Samuel Taylor Coleridge was an English... Paper? <laughs> he wasn't an English paper. Working off of the it's bad luck to kill an abatro abatross... Abatross? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> 